Welcome to Jammers in the Rough, number three. Number three. We have Cody, the absolute worst Waldron with us. We have Josh. Here comes Winter. I'm working on his nickname still. Winter. <laughs> um, and of course, yours truly, Paige. Um, I'm just... We need to come up with a nickname for you. Nah, we don't, we do, like, that's the thing. Like, I can't give a nickname. I always do intros. So it's like, I can give everyone a nickname, but I can't give myself a nickname because that's not how it goes. We um, need the lounge to come up with just some nah, crap. No, because the lounge is going to come up with like, oh, Paige Doty Hurtado. <laughs> yeah, so there, you just came up with your own nickname. No, 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 no. Doty Hurtado. I'm not, I'm not about that life. Um, Too bad. <laughs> So what is up, guys? Um, just super excited to be here for another week. Um, these last two weeks, I think just kind of opening thoughts, like I've been blown away just at some of the fluidity and kind of normal, like just pushing our brand, pushing Jammers in the Rough. And it's not brand. We're just trying to get likes, subscribes, and get our voice out there. I think I did a Marvel review, and that has the most views on our YouTube channel. And I think that's super sweet, like, it's something that I think we're all trying to find a little bit of belonging in this world and a little bit of, like of that niche and finding that and just having fun with it. So for me, this is my like and subscribe, follow us, but I'm just having a blast with this. So thank you guys for tuning in on another week because I'm truly just in awe and having a blast. That's what it's all about, you know, just having fun, doing what we love. Um, and it's cool that we can share it with everyone else and give them some enjoyment in life. It's, it's a win-win. <laughs> I'm just going to try matters. and stay awake this week so I don't get made fun of. We are going to have a, a new video coming up on the YouTube channel pretty soon. Um, in the near future, we're going to be reviewing the Terminal Velocity Ursus. Mm. We've got some ideas for a cool re review video, so that will come out pretty soon. Gonna do some recording first. So we got Ursus coming, and we have Italian FD incoming as well. I'm gonna take some time this weekend and record some shots in between my tournament rounds to get the Italian FD review um, underway. Get some cool shots, cool lines that I feel like the Italian or the FD is really good at, um, and maybe comparing it to like a Night Strike and a Night Strike Two, um, even second run FD. To be honest, I think we can we can do comparisons, but my arm might get thrown out. Um, but really making sure that we're highlighting the Italian FD. Sonic is also on my docket. So if you guys want to see reviews of spe specialized discs, either shoot me a PM, um, shoot us in the comments of what you want to see out there because our goal is to have maybe one or two a month of that kind of disc reviews, disc highlights, and you know, ultimately kind of just showing what kind of shape shots I, I envision these um, discs kind of flying. So. With that, that's kind of my 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 ask is for discs because these three or four discs are going to come out quickly. So let's dive in. Let's let's quit with the 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 natural streamer like like subscribe view hit us up do this <laughs> like let's get into our topics. So this upcoming season is about to be underway. We got Shelly Sharp. It's one of my favorite tournaments to watch. Just watch Hamas and Gibson and Barella battle it out year after year. Is this a blast for me? And it's always such a fun course. Watching Kale this year kind of come in and tear it up. I think it's cool. It's fun. Um, but that leads us to our first question, right? Who do we think will have a breakout 
season? Who's going to be that breakout player for this next kind of year? You know, I think one of the breakout players is going to be L.A. Hansen. Uh, you know, she came into the game first year on. What is, what is, what is her rank right now? Like, she's like 20-something in the world ranked. Um, I think she got her feet wet last season, and I'm calling it. She's going to win a Pro Tour event this year. I can feel it. Mm-hmm. She, got, she got, what, Rookie of the Year? She's got this. But she's like she was world or national champion for uh, the other frisbee game. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she has that natural ability with that disc, and you can really see it when she goes on the course. And you know she she finished very well in a lot of tournaments. I really feel like we're going to see a lot of Ella this year. No, I think that's a good prediction, especially in the FPO like field. I think that's one of those ones where. A lot of people are going to be kind of seen for that next kind of breakout star. I know Haley King is always that kind of hot topic of just like really kind of like solidifying herself as that that player, that dominant player. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I don't know if I – I mean, there's there's players that come to mind. I think the question for me that I really look at and get excited about is this, are we going to see an emergence of people switching and automatically – not automatically, but start to win, start to place – high with the new discs in their bag and the new placement versus like established bags. So it's like, I mean, it's kind of hard to say like, Oh, Calvin Heinberg's going to have a breakout season when he's constantly, you know, um, having top five finishes. But I think last year, to be honest, he took a little bit of step back. So I want to see him really showcase what kind of some of those like familiarity with his bag and taking that next step um, of separation between some of those pros getting more wins in this season um, consistently. So for me, I think, Heinberg, I think Gibson um, is definitely – he's always poised. I think every year he's poised to uh, have a breakout year. And for me, I think this is that year. I think that maturity, watching him at Shelly Sharp, um, kind of struggle. I'm not, I don't want to spoil too much, but you'll see some of old Gibson and new Gibson and how that rebounds. And I get excited about that. So for me, my prediction is going to be Gibson breaking out and maybe in an approach or victory this year. Um, so that's that's my – that's my bold statement. Has he not had a pro tour win yet? No? Nope, I don't think so. Okay. No, he has Blue Lake. But that's not a pro tour. I thought that was Silver Series, right? That's, that's Silver Open? Series. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you think Paige Pierce would fit this mold? After time world champion, it's kind of hard to say they're going to have a breakout season. Like, what more can <laughs> they do? Yeah, but, another... I mean, remember we also had a Hall of Fame uh, – FPO player get rookie of the year last year. So um I I think she just kind of struggled near the end, especially when she was at the the open when she threw out of bounds when she pretty much had it locked up and that let uh Katrina Allen sneak in. She just seemed like Paige just seemed like she kind of tailed off near the end. And I'm just guessing I, I think this year with everyone getting those big contracts and people making all that money she might be more inclined not more inclined but i feel like she's gonna really step up i feel like she just wasn't there were so many other people stepping up especially in the fpo field last year that she might realize that she's not as dominant as she once was so that's maybe not breakout but maybe improved from last year i know it's kind of tough to say you're a breakout player when you've won so many world tours but yeah, that's that's the hard part is that calling her a breakout player where right now she just has to like defend her spot. 
because she yeah. broke up to the top. And there's people coming after that that top spot. Um, I mean, you had what? Missy Gannon was the player of the year, the FPO player of the year. Damn right. Well, Missy I think Gannon, you know, like, I, mean, I, I think Tim just wrote into our comments, like giving a huge shout out to the Europeans. Like if they start to travel and come back over, I think what is that? Evelina is going to come in and just tear up the FPO if she gets to come over. And I think European players are going to come and show that difference of like you know two three years removed. And that they're just poised to really kind of come, come and dominate, right? Like, I'm excited for Seppo to like come back and start to be on tour again, and seeing him, mm-hmm. like, that's somebody that I can see have a reemergence in their in their season and showcasing, like, hey, I might not have been on, like, you might not have seen me for two years, but I'm gonna remind you exactly where I belong in the scheme of things as one of the, like a great player, and start to kind of really like highlight so for me i think prodigy needs it because they need another like superstar to be kind of having those top 10 finishes now they lost a lot of their roster um i think a great topic though as well of like what about breakout teams what team's going to just have that breakout season and kind of just be like i think innova has always been traditionally like one like one to two players and top five finishes almost at every single pro tour um so do we have a team in mind that's going to have some of those breakout breakout seasons well, I mean, like, Dynamic got themselves stacked. Yeah. Like, there's a really good chance that you're going to see a lot of Dynamic winners. Um, they got a great team. But I think, I think everyone's got a solid team because there's some sleepers. There's some solid players that it just takes one season to, to break out. We just don't know it yet. I think yeah. Discraft's going to be better than you think. They got, you know. I don't think Discraft is, like, better than you think. I don't think they've ever been worse than anyone thought. Like, I think they're – They've always been positioned to be a successful team. They're good, but I feel like there's been so many other uh, competitors lately. You know, it, it used to be, like you said, Innova, Discraft, those were the two fighting it out. And then every now and then you'd have another team kind of sneak in. Maybe it was Discmania, maybe it was Dynamic. But they got, I mean, Macbeth, he said he's going to train a lot better. He's not going to do as much foundation anymore. You have Chris Dickerson. You have. Who knows where Katrina Allen's going to end up, but you have <laughs> Misty Gannon. So I think they're going to be better than people have given them credit. I feel like the top with Inaba for so long and then kind of the last year or two kind of got battered around where they've kind of had to say like, oh, yeah, we're going to show our dominance again. No, I can see that. I think with this craft, like, it reminds me of Ricky and Heimberg when they were kind of together, always top fiving things um, and really kind of put in Innova in that winner circle. And I can see Dickerson and Macbeth kind of doing that where there's like these two solid discraft players kind of everywhere. And then you get kind of sprinkling of some of these other pros like Hamas or like Presnell that steps up and you're like, oh yeah, that's a name that I remember and they're doing good. Um, so I think, I mean, I think you're right. I don't know about better than people think because I think, they're still a top three team. <laughs> oh, yeah, easily. And I, you know, like, easily top three. And so it's, like, it's hard to, like, build on that. And I know Dynamic and Latitude and, like, just Trilogy in general are all kind of poised to have that. But for me, I think they're still kind of on that, you know, kind of just wait and see this next year, how, how things transition. Um, I mean, I want to see them successful. I think there's a lot of players over there. But it's like, oh, yeah, like, just that, that whole conversation about switching your whole bag up and, you know, like I don't think it's going to impact Ricky as much because he has a history with the discs. 
mm-hmm. but some of these players don't have the history with the discs and you know how do you how do you go from throwing something for so long and instantly find that uh resonation with it i mean to combat that comment there's conrad switching to mvp taking down the worlds but then but he didn't win another another pro tour so like yeah he won world on a very conrad course um but he didn't he didn't make a huge splash outside of that you know what i mean yeah um there was no other pro tours there was still a little bit of fall off on him where he was always lead chase card on innova and i think there was like a noticeable difference in you know, like it's hard. Like I don't want to take worlds from him because that's a legit victory. That's huge, but don't use that as like the one talking point when there's like all of these other kind of conversations too that I think people tend to overlook because he won worlds. Well, yeah, it, but it is, but it is a win. It is a win with a new disc on the first season. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. When I when I think of dynamic loading up like that, it I kind of think of some other sports when they've assembled these like super teams. Think about NBA. Think about MLB. And sometimes it's an overwhelming amount of pressure that tends to kind of undermine where they don't, they're not performing up to their, what people assume they would do. And that kind of can mess with you mentally. So sometimes everyone has these high expectations because, you know, they picked up Ricky, they picked up Gavin, they, uh, you know, locked up Tartar for a little bit. So people are thinking, oh, and can't forget Kona but sometimes they don't live up to those lofty expectations and it's people think that's a down year where, Oh man, they, they got all these pros they designed. How are they not winning every event or top two, every event? And that can kind of mess with some players. Yeah, no, I think um, that's a really good point. I think that pressure of earning the money, you know, I'm, I'm always a big like pusher of like, Hey, contracts are earned before the contract is signed, right? Like what you've done in the past has earned you that contract, but living up to that contract and the expectations is what comes after, you know? And so when you have some of these players making 500K, 250K, million dollars um, a year, it's a big step to, to live up to that. And I think more famously like Brody Smith, right? Like he had like a semi-decent contact contract to Discraft, but besides the contract, there was a big push of plastic, a big push of you know, him owning foundation and all of his branding and merch and podcasting and whatever, like there was that big push. And I don't think he's like quite lived up to that though. He's grinding away and he's doing a lot of things. So I feel like that's a very real aspect of this is like earning those contracts and living up to that contract because you don't want to be that player. That's, you know, just got paid $500,000 and you're not, not top tending anything. You're not top 20 anything and you have a fall off year and that's, that's a very real pressure and you start to look at sports psychology and the, the mind state of some of these athletes, like it's paramount in, uh, or it's not paramount, but it's, it's just run amok in like NBA. Oh, you've signed a $30 million contract. CJ McCullen. Cool. And now let's trade him because we have too much money in him and he's not doing what he needs to do for 35 million a year. You know, like, Oh yeah. Like these are very real things that hit all of the pro athletes on all of the sports and, I think it'd be short-sighted to say it's not going to hit some of our players this next coming year. Yeah, you see that in, like, I follow MLB pretty closely. Like, Giancarlo Stanton, when he signed, like, the biggest contract for $324 million, and then he was, he was, like, wins above replacement is how they do stats in MLB, and he was, like, baseline. So he's making more than a lot of teams combined, and he is a average player when he's – 
playing regularly. So he, he feeling is much higher and he can play to that, but then he'll also strike out three times a game. And, you know, Chris Davis for the Orioles, I love him, but he also made $60,000 every strikeout. I'm curious in there. Yes. <laughs> he, I can stand there and let someone throw three balls by me and make my teacher salary in one day. <laughs> That's a Like I, I calculated out. He was making $60,000 every time he was up to that strikeout bat, whatever he did, $60,000. That is insane. <laughs> Indeed. Do you think we're ever going to hit a point in disc golf where teams are trading players? <laughs> Well, do you see it ever in golf? No, but there's not really teams. Sponsors? Yeah, I mean, does like Tiger Woods only have one brand of clubs? I mean, I I don't know enough about golf. I really, I honestly do not know the. Yeah, I believe he's like, I think they're sponsored like per item. Like, you know, he's like, he's like, you know, had a Nike sponsorship. You know, has his club sponsorship. I mean, like, but with disc golf, like your main sponsor is the disc manufacturer, and then you're on this team, you know, team disc mania. So at a certain point, depending on what the contracts say, you know, trades could come in the future. It'd be interesting once it happens. I think we're you know years out from from this uh, disc golf getting to a place where that becomes reality, but but it's possible. I mean, I think it's definitely possible, especially when you start to see contracts like, you know, 10 years, 10 million with Paul McBeth, you know, what happens in five years if, you know, he's, they're just hemorrhaging money because he doesn't like, isn't succeeding, isn't producing and some smaller brand like, you know, infinite's like, Oh, I'll trade you, you know, Gibson for him, you know, and they're, they absorb the contract and they get a little bit more hype with a five-time world champion. You know, like I can start to see a world in where that could happen. I mean, I doubt Paul McBeth is going to get traded. That was just like, the probably the biggest example with a long-term contract. Um, but you start to see like some of these smaller contracts and, you know, players of like, okay, like right now it's very easy to be like, Oh, we're amicably splitting. Like we're just going to separate and you can go sign wherever. But what happens is when buyouts and, you know, agents are getting involved. These contract lingos are getting involved. So the contracts are going to evolve and power right now is a lot on the player to not only negotiate their contracts, but also like terminate if they need to, but all of the separate separation. So when power starts to be given to some of these bigger teams, I can see trades taking place. Um, but I think we're a long ways from that. The only, the only way I re- ever really see that happening is if we started seeing team up events where if it was like Dickerson and Macbeth are playing a tournament together, like a scramble because most of the time you're trading for someone that's going to take that where you have a weakness and you need a strength. Like if I was trading a shortstop that hit for power and we need a shortstop that is a better defender, I'm going to trade that. But in an individual sport, other than like you said, where it's a monetary and a hype thing, I just, I don't know if that would ever make sense, but But I would mean like, I don't think it's going to be like to strengthen this roster with the power backhand. But I think it's to trade this player to bring a different image and branding to sell more discs. You know, like Prodigy, if they're struggling right now with all of their pros like leaving and they don't, then they're not selling as many as they were. I can see them trying to position some type of trade or buyout of an individual contract so that they can bring that in 
and have more publicity and a hype man to sell plastic, right? Like, you know, if they trade for Ricky and Ricky gets put on Prodigy, then all of a sudden they're able to slap two-time world champion on all of their discs and people are going to buy that out. And so I don't think yeah. it's going to be trading players for their, their skills, but more of like, are they marketable and are they able to kind of then correlate that to, to sales? Because, you know, if Prodigy starts to take a dip in the next one to three years, I can see them trying to get desperate and make a, like a play like that. I think it will yeah. be more like contract buyouts instead of like a trade. Cause I don't think, what are they going to be like? All right, we'll give you Kale LaVisca for Ricky where well, I mean, it might be. I, mean, I think it's gonna be smaller contracts, but it's like yeah. if, if they have somebody that wants out that they're getting paid for 250,000 a year and you know, there's a $250,000 player then switching those contracts and there's no buyout involved. So like, it could True. be like a Kale LaVisca for a Paul Ulibarri or something where they're both kind of team captains they both kind of want and they're probably getting paid similar amounts and just ready to kind of transition on and see a trade happen like that. Not that it's going to be those players, but I can start to see like some of those like smaller marketable players being kind of moved around. But I think that's, I was going to say, or if you have a feud between people on a team, like if you had Ricky and Nico who notoriously do not get along where one of them might be like, I need to get out of here. Then I could, that would actually make sense to me. Mm-hmm. If, if you wanted to rebrand or if you had a, an internal feud, that would actually make sense. It's like, I need out of here because, you know, I hate player A's guts and player B wants to play on a different team. So that actually would make sense. And uh, yeah, I just think it's like that. And right now I don't think the pressure is there, but once you start to, like I said, you get agents involved, contracts become like more defined and flushed out and you have, some of these like because non-disclosure you know agreements are already in there so what happens when you start to be like well to protect our assets we reserve the right to trade you you know and have some of those clauses kind of start to draw up because you know god forbid you get two people that just now all of a sudden you can't send each other and that each other's neck and your brand suffering because they can't travel together they can't be on video together they can't you know they barely can be on the same card together and so then that just creates discord in your in your in your brand, and I can see like you know dynamic for example where they brought in so many pros. It's I mean right now it's a very close knit circle. The pros like a lot of them get along with each other. They see each other every weekend, but when this game starts involved and money starts to become involved and people can see viable futures and there's this new wave of people wanting to push their way in and make the name for themselves, like I can start to see there being some you know, like, oh, let's protect our assets and not not hope that this works, you know? But, yeah, it's just a thought. Mm-hmm. There has to be changes in, like, how the contracts are done currently because how many people left their contract early? Because mm-hmm. right now, like, apparently you can leave your contract whenever you want. That's what it sounds – that's what it feels like. Yeah, and it's what this the power's on the player, like. right? The power yeah. is all by the player, and I think there's going to be a time where these companies – are going to say like, Hey, we need to find this balance and we need some like power back. I'm surprised there's not like buyouts or something. I think after this year, companies are definitely going to be like, if you leave early, there's going to be a hundred thousand dollar penalty or something. There's got to be some sort of thing protecting the company at this point after Mm -hmm. they've seen this mass exodus of just this year alone. Yeah. But also like the previous contracts, one can only assume that they, the, it was just enough to get them going just enough to keep, to make them happy and on the road and playing the sport they love. And with this new growth in disc golf, the contracts are becoming 
a lot higher, a lot more valuable. Um, so there probably wasn't that much to the contracts to begin with, especially ones that people were in like for, you know two years ago when somebody signed a contract. It's not it's nothing like it was this year. Yeah. Um, so there's probably a lot of factors like that into that as well. Well, I think too, like, I mean, I think that way that it, they do it, it creates separation of like top level touring pros and some of these like kind of rookies, you know, cause you look at like, you know, uh, like Burr, like Gannon Burr, for example, like he might not have a lot of the money that uh, Jones is getting in order to travel. And so it puts a little bit more pressure on him, but I think about the importance of sponsorships now, right? Outside of just your clubs, like your, your, your main disc sponsor, looking at like, you know, the big Nike sponsorship that just happened and figuring out like, oh, how can we start to leverage some of these other sponsorships to really like showcase, you know, and get me, get me touring because I think these lower level pros are going to need to start to do that. You look at early MMA fighting and their shorts, right? They were selling ad space all over their shorts. And, you know, when UFC sold out to Reebok and now Venom, they cut all of that out, which you know, took a lot of money out of the pro fighters hands and they were supposed to be allocated a certain amount, but you know, it probably wasn't nearly the same that these fighters were getting from 20 different sponsors on their shorts. And so I think about that too, with like, you know, how in this new sponsor age, are we going to like start to leverage some of these? And you're going to see some of these players with 20, 30 different sponsors on their shirts, selling ad space to try to get touring funds outside of just their main sponsor. I mean, you see that a lot with some of the lower level, like uh, jerseys they wear right now, where there's like a whole list of sponsors um, on the back. Um, I don't, I guess, I guess it's not really ad space though. Um, kind of is, in a sense. But I think it is when it becomes like, what is it? Who 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 did Eagle just get sponsored by? The nutrition company. Mm-hmm. It was like the healthy food or organic food or whatever. Like yeah. so, him and a couple other players got picked Ricky. up on a sponsorship. Yeah, Ricky's got a, a healthy food. It's like I know um, Eagles vegan. His is something like vegan and nutrition yeah. based that way. And well, Ricky's see is those like on his jersey now too, right? Stuff. Yeah, I and that is advertisement. That is, you know, a top five player in the world now repping the nutrition. And when they have conversations around, you know, eating on the road people are going to be gravitating towards those sponsored, you know, kind of like um, the Garrett Gerthy jerky, they're sponsoring players. <laughs> you have Nate Sexton jerky, Paul McBeth jerky out there. Like he's sponsoring players. You have the page bars. Um, and so like these things are growing and these are ways to get money into these young players hands. And I think they need to be flushed out more and looked at because I think that's going to be a huge opportunity coming for it. And then how does that start to complement your like disc sponsor, you know? Well, even some of these guys have individual brands like Yuli. You're talking about Yuli. He has his own brand that he wears. You have Ricky. He has Saki Bomb brand that he wears. And so what's really stopping, like if you are a company, a disc golf company, would you let Adidas or Reebok sponsor your player? I mean, are they in direct competition of you? If you're not, I, I don't see the issue. That might grow your brand as well. You could start having Nike Sport Tech shirts or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the more we're on ESPN, too, like, the more, like, opportunity. What happens when PGA sells out like UFC does to, like, did to Reebok and Venom? What if the PDGA sells out to Nike and now everybody has to wear Nike, you know, apparel and they, you know, they're supplied with A, B, and C, kind of like the jerseys and the football, um, 
in basketball and stuff like that. And so it's like, oh yeah, these are all big companies that own it and own that brand and that image. And so it's like, well, before that happens, we should start to kind of pave way for some of those contracts and sponsorships to take place and show that there is some viability in it. But I think these younger players are going to kind of need it as well because all of the money's being gobbled up by a lot of these like dominant players. Do you think it's going to trickle down though? Do you think I mean, younger players are going to start making more? I think they sh- they should, but I don't think, I mean, I think they're going to be short-lived contracts and kind of like earn it um, and having to find like, okay, who, who's going to really develop these younger players? What's the difference of, you know, Casey White, for example, and Kyle Klein. Kyle Klein's got moved to the Sky team. They're about, about the same age. Um, what's some of that separation in their, their pay and their, their leveraging? And when, you know, like Casey White, if he needs to start to negotiate his contract, what does that start to like truly look like when, you know, three years ago he wasn't sponsored and he was just getting kind of picked up on Simon's videos and showcasing who he was and building that, that sponsorship kind of resume. And so mm-hmm. like without, without him being on Simon, if he's like a, a, another kid who's an amazing golfer, but in Oregon and he didn't have that chance with Simon, is that really going to help elevate him to the next level, you know? And it's, I know it's a big what if, but I think about some of these up and coming players, like I played with a 15 year old who's sponsored by prodigy last weekend and he was killing it out there. And he he held the bag for Kevin Jones, like he caddied for him at the the Portland Open, and he was excited about that. And that's a level of development. But it's like, oh yeah, how do you start to then utilize that and build on that moving forward to like really kind of like, you know, allow you to tour. You know, at fifteen, he probably wants to go. Like, what was it seventeen? Was when Gannon went on tour, or was it sixteen? Well, then you get into all the legal issues at that point. If they're that young, you got to deal with the parents. You got to write a contract with the parents too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, like anything, it's a toss up. But I think the younger players are going to have to fight for some smaller sponsorships in order to sustain themselves on tour. Whereas, you know, some of these bigger pros are going to, you know, like now they can afford to travel everywhere. Ricky can fly to every single tournament. In a helicopter? In a helicopter. Dangling helicopter. his feet. That's a key that, would, that would be a little scary if you're going like thousands of miles. Yeah. I don't think I'd like that anymore. Yeah, but I don't think it really matters what, what age you're at. It's all about skill and what you can put down on the course. Because there's, you know, like you're saying, like you, you go play a tournament and you get your ass whooped by someone half your damn age. Hey, I beat him. To you. <laughs> I beat him. No, yeah. I didn't lose to that fifteen-year-old. Henry, if he you're was listening, first. I you feel like a man. I beat that child. I beat him good. I'm gonna get practice runs with him in Vegas and then lose to him. But right now, I'm one zero. <laughs> you should probably just not play him anymore. So, yeah. like, if he ever does go pro, you can be like, "Yeah, I beat him one time. He's never yeah. beat me." I think I, I'm, I'm, I just defeated him and retired, yeah. and that's fine with me. <laughs> I went down to MA three. That's what, hey, yeah, baby, join me. <laughs> I'm trying to get MA4 going. <laughs> MA4 is a thing. I think it's what, what is it called? Is it Rec? I think it's Rec. No, I Rec is MA3. Is. I think there is an MA4, though. I, I just don't think it's as widely supported. And it's not like, I don't think a lot of like tournaments allocate some of their like roster spots to MA4. Um, Let's look it up. Oh, it's definitely MA, there. MA4. Novice. I'm, 
novice. novice What's MA5? That? How do I start that? That doesn't exist. <laughs> Child. It's just Child. called the worst. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> I have my own bracket. I always win and I always lose, no matter what. Somehow I do both. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, not to like jump back in topics, but I was looking at, uh, what is this? Uh, UDIS, like a uh, world ranking. And Kristen and Evelina are like one and two for like the end of the year last year. And they are ahead of us by like a lot when it Better comes than to Paige like Pierce, who might have a breakout season. That's all I'm yeah, saying. I mean, they're dominating at least whatever scoring system that you disc is using. They have a giant lead. That's um, what I think. Like, I think Evelina is going to come in next year and just, you know, put a spanking on the old FBO division. Is she above Kristen? Uh, I think it's uh, no, Kristen's well, barely above number one. Like I'm, I'm going close. Kristen. She's gonna take. She's gonna throw that grace everywhere, baby. Is Evelina in of a page? I think so. Right. I have an Evelina destroyer. That's the only reason I know. Yeah. Let's see. I'm telling you, if yeah. you haven't thrown a grace, she's on to something. It says no. Nah, Tatar's gonna be ripping the pure everywhere. Yeah, it says it's a cool disc. I, I think pure is a sweet disc. I think it's a really underrated disc that, like belongs in kind of like the oh when you think berg for uh costoplast you think zone for discraft and buzz for discraft i think the pure is really just kind of one that sets that brand apart is it that overstable though or you're no, just i don't saying... think it's i'm not saying it's overstable i'm just saying for like okay like a showcase disc for a brand i think the pure is widely slept on and it should be a showcase disc for them i think i've only thrown it like once or twice it was a little bit deeper but it felt good in the hand and it was like a five glide i'm pretty sure that mm. thing just went it just goes. Yeah. Have a buddy who puts with them, throws them for up shots, forehands them, everything, and just loves them. Um, for me, I try to like them. I really do. But I just, I'm slowly developing my touch on my putter shots. It takes a while. Hmm. I mean, that's a good, uh, in the chat, Corby brought up the fact that they haven't played uh, many U.S. tournaments. And he's wondering how that plays into that scoring, which is a good point. Um True. They haven't played against the, the a lot in the U.S. I, have they come over very much at all? No, I, I mean they, with the whole COVID restrictions, like we don't yeah. have, we don't see Europeans as much over this last couple of years, and I don't even think like if this continues, we're going to see much with what happened to Simon when he went to Europe and then got stuck in Canada and then couldn't go yeah. play Maple, you know, the MVP Open. Like I, I think it's going to be real hesitant on a lot of people, but. Like, if we can get back to some normalcy and allow for some of that travel to take place, I think a lot of the Europeans are going to come over here and just, you know, kind of be a fre- like a breath of fresh air and really kind of just dominate in some of them. They're going to do the bubble. We're going to have the disc golf bubble. <laughs> it's going to be exciting when that happens, when things open back up and we get some of those stars from across the pond come and play in the tournament over here. Mm-hmm. It'll be nice. I think even now with um... – I think her new contract, she'll be able to play over here a lot more. Like, I think before, a lot of it was money, too. Like, I think it was not part of her contract. And I think part of her contract that she signed for that new Latitude one is, like, saying she'll be playing more tournaments stateside. So, that's pretty cool. That, that's, that's really cool to hear. To me, that's crazy that someone, a professional at something that, like, had to sell disc to, like, play their next tournament. I just uh, – that just blows my mind. <laughs> Like I'm a professional, I have my own disc. 
but I cannot play the next tournament without selling some Frisbees. No, it doesn't blow my mind too much. Like, I mean, I was professional on the rodeo trail and the you were what? Up, yeah, wild horse racing, professional wild horse racer. He was a rodeo clown. <laughs> that going from like one rodeo to another rodeo to another rodeo and just making my money like enough to break even, make it to the next show to hopefully like win top three to make enough money to get back home. Like I remember one, one trip down to Arizona, we got there and we paid for the hotel and we're like, if we don't win tomorrow, we cannot get home. So then we got win or we won, got our, you know, day fee or day money. And, you know, we got, we eventually got second overall and got home. <laughs> but like, so for me, like, I feel like some of these smaller events with the professional circuits, like, Oh yeah, sometimes you just make enough money to get to the next show and that's kind of it. Like you kind of just go like hope to, to place in the money and, you know, get there. Cause once you start to drive, it's like, Oh, cover gas, cover food. I can stop here and discover those. Like, like you start to shed some of those, like, you know, uh, what is, what's the word? Um, I don't know. You just shed some of those bills that you don't need and you're trying to live like at cost and get there. And that's why you see like people take two or three weeks off because it's like, well, now I'm home. I didn't win the last tournament. Somehow I got home. Let me save up some money and then get back on the road. But yeah. Do you, uh, do you see anybody other than Paul um, and Ricky sticking around with a company for a long period of time? Sexton? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't see him going anywhere. That, that's the easy answer. I mean, I mean, I think Yuli, I think Yuli's been with Discraft for a while. I have a feeling that he's got a pretty good relationship with them. I don't see. I just. I, it would surprise me if he left. One more. And he just got that new disc too. The mm-hmm. retooled the Captain's Raptor. Captain Raptor. Like I'm not so worried about like people like proving loyalty. I'm kind of curious about how people like leverage like some of their positions to be more like in embedded in the company. So I can see like Paul Ulibarri, for example, like he kind of Team Ledgestone, like he's doing the Captain's Raptor. I can try to see him like start to leverage like not playing as much. And focusing on some of the marketing, the publicity, the the creation of plastic, the stamps, the mold, the, you know, just getting on that side of things to where, like, he can be, like, building that transition of his career. Because I'm kind of curious about, like, some of these older players that are maybe looking at the next step. And instead of just being like, oh, hey, I'm going to tour MP40 or I'm going to tour and just do these, like, two or three a year to being like, well, I'm more involved on this back side of it and creation side of it. And now I'm more logistical, like the logistical side of the brand. And kind of curious about some of that, like are these players just going to evolve to be more of the, the business side. Well, AJ Risley just did that from dynamic. He was touring and he now is part of dynamics media team. So he is like kind of stepping back. I think he was having issues with like injuries. Like he got injured was trying to rehab back, was going to play again, had a setback, and I think he just moved out to Emporia, and he's going to start – I'm not saying he won't play anymore, but I don't think it's nearly going to be as much. Like, he is in charge or one of the higher-ups on their media team now. So, well, didn't that's like kind of one Earhart, guy. Like, last year, take a step – or, like, decide, like, he's going to take a step away from the touring and do more, like, podcasting and kind of just – Who was that? Um, Brian Earhart. Oh yeah, like From not a podcast, but like what's the commentating and stuff like that, and just kind of step away. So I'm curious about some of that, like you know, like Paul and Big Germ, for example, being like, okay, we're gonna be more of a coverage with Jomez, and 
you know, not not play as much. Though I guess if they're going to be there, they're going to play. <laughs> there, I do like their. I, I I don't think you do, but I like their commentary. <laughs> I like it. I, I mean, I, I, uh, the practice rounds sometimes seem like they're trying a little bit too hard. But other than that, I guess really, I think the commentary is really good during the rounds. They they work well together. I think. Yeah. Like they bounce off each other and mm-hmm. they're relatable. So I think a lot of people who even if they are not big into disc <laughs> golf. Are gonna yeah. enjoy it. Well, I'm gonna get you a, a Yuli shirt, Paige. Let's just say I'm, I gonna, yeah. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of the commentary together. I think they need a sexton to break apart some of their kind of, you know, just like I guess have like not even having too much fun, just like getting too too caught off guard, too segue, too into the metaphors, too into whatever, and they forget about the disc golf. I think they need a you know kind of dry humor like side with like sexton and a balance that's always bringing it back to the focus they can get sidetracked for a long time um but with that i have also watched all of their coverage and exactly. i might not enjoy it but it is what it is they got also, you you're never center. gonna you're never gonna compete with philo philo's hands down the best commentator in my opinion i love listening to him talk and he's he just knows so much about the game um and he's very well spoken um it's always a blast to listen to Philo. Philo is like the Sam Elliott of disc golf. He's just always there, just a wise. <laughs> just the way he talks, when he talks, I'm just like, I just want to listen to you and gain your knowledge. I will say I do miss that about like kind of old Jomez, where they had kind of just whatever pros were on hand and willing to like commentate. So you would have like Simon popping in, KJ popping in and doing this commentating like i do miss some of those i kind of just like switch it up get different perspectives get different like takes on the course um i think that's a like pretty fun fun way to do it instead of just having the permanent like big barry commentating and you know when sexton can come in he'll he'll be there but like I maybe they'll get some more uh maybe with all the COVID stuff if it slows down maybe they will get more guests i don't know we need some guests we need some guests we have a guest lined up I know it didn't happen. We'll have a big guest next week unveiling some big things. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so tune in next week. When you go back and edit it over this, Josh, I want to hear like. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> we do it like the minions, dun dun dun, not like the dramatic one. <laughs> I want some. I want some drama. <laughs> uh, see in the chat, Tim saying thoughts on Nate Doss. I'm personally not a fan. Of his commentary, mm. yeah, I uh, I agree one hundred percent. I uh, I think Nate is an awesome player and he has a good personality. I just have a hard time um, wanting to listen to commentary from him personally. Um, I I just it sounds forced when I listen to it. That's a good when way I, to put it. That's a good way to put it. I think we're in this like day and age of where we want good commentary, like commentary. We want like this next level to take place. And some of these people like, you know, like Brian Earhart, like taking a step away. Like I always enjoyed his and his takes, like finding some of these pros that are willing to do it more often and kind of step into that limelight and learn it and not feel like we have to go to like, Oh, well what Nate Doss, like we tried him. He's not, he's not good. We don't like him. So let's move on. Like, I think some of that needs to take place more and, you know, bringing in some like good like combos because we watch all of these videos and see the chemistry between players. You should be able to kind of like see that for yourself because you're there in person and be like, hey, you know what? 
Simon and Eagle really go well to each other. They just have fun. So let's stick them here or, you know, finding some of those other ones that have good chemistry and are going to be there. Like Humphreys and Jones have amazing chemistry and that would just be fun listening to them. Um, if it's a live pro tour where like Nate Doss is doing it, you need to find some people that either didn't make it and have chemistry or, you know, are able to kind of like sit, like, you know, sit in on all of that and, and commentate, but like, don't just try to fit it like a, what is a square peg into a round circle? Like don't, don't just do it because I think we're in a play, position where we should be doing more. Be better. <laughs> be better. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think, in, oh, man, there's so much potential for this golf. There's just so much potential. Oh, it's all there, and all the pieces are there. And I just think if we cannot get greedy, then we're in, mm. like, the position for an amazing time. Like, I think last year we, I talked about with a live coverage being, like, give the contract to Jomez. They're set up for it. They have their camera crews. They have commentating crews. They have the ability to do it live, so give them the contract. And don't try to keep it in house so you can make a few bucks and have a terrible stream. Um, like I think, like we even have like this golf guy. He did the Shelly Sharp all by himself with him, and there's one other camera guy. And he did all the commentating, and I had a blast watching it. Yeah, that's one guy. That was not bad. Yeah, that was not bad for one dude. But it wasn't that was, that was post production though, right? Yeah, post. I'm, I mean, that's post production. I'm, I'm, but yeah. I'm saying like they have this skill set. So if you were to like work with these people that are doing it, and work with them to do it live coverage, they know how to move. They know how to communicate with the players. They know how to not get in their way. How to position. How to record. Like what I liked about the disc golf guy was uh, he was pulling the camera and he's having conversations with Kayla Visca on camera while they're walking to the next hole. Like that's all able to convert to live coverage and have like a pretty well successful show um versus being like what it was which was a complete mess you know i think we have a plethora of experienced individuals that we can tap into um but it's like, like i said like you can't get greedy with it you have to be willing to bring them in kind of take that humility and be like we failed last year let's do better let's have conversations and ongoing conversations and see what we can do in order to make this better because you know when we talk about the sport growing 800 percent, there's going to be an 800 percent demand of good content now <laughs> well we're also playing catch-up i think i don't think anyone saw an 800 percent increase in what a year or two it's not like anyone saw covid coming so hopefully now with the money starting to go into the sports people will start to realize maybe it's bigger companies i mean they got on espn so maybe that was just a stepping stone because yeah i think the coverage last year was lacking but maybe, like you said, if they don't get greedy and can get that out this year, people start to realize and companies will start to realize there's money in it. Let's make it good. Yeah. yeah. But also, like, they were better year over year, though. I mean, the True. year before, it was so hard to watch. And there's giant improvements. And a big part of, giant. like, the issues that were happening was because they're going off of a cell connection and there's not enough towers and everyone's on their phone live streaming or doing this or doing that. So, I mean, so I Josh is blaming all those people. I see. All yeah, those, yeah. Yes. Man, I have all of you people on your too? cell phones. Listen to us on Spotify. Here you go. Like, I mean, like John in the, in the chat even mentioned that like, they just need more cell towers. I think their filming was decent. Could it be better? 100%. 
Um, but I also feel like the disc golf network and the disc golf channel, they're trying to be more professional than needs to be. Sometimes. But that's also like where I get to like, we're also trying to be what other sports are. And my mm-hmm. like point is like, why do we need to follow like a laid out path? And why can't we just like take a step away? Do we like acknowledge, do we even need live coverage? You know, spending, hey, I'm going to start this at 8 a.m. and watch it till 5 p.m. It's sometimes a lot when we all have working jobs. Like this post coverage world is nice, you know, like trying to figure out like, okay, what is like a balance of live and, you know, post coverage? Can we get out the same day? What does that look like? You know, what is an editing team on hand ready to cut these videos and put them out an hour or two after release? Or, you know, like, I'm just saying like, we can reinvent the wheel versus trying to be like, let's do a live coverage. Let's jam this live coverage down our, like everyone's throat and have all these issues arise when, you know, the demand just might not be there. But you also, but you don't have to watch it with live coverage. You don't have to. Again, like, because I watch, I personally love live coverage. Like, <laughs> I, I have positioned myself in a job that I can do my job with it always playing in the corner. And having it during the season is a highlight, and it keeps me happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I also, I watch Jomez and Gatekeeper, and I, because I much prefer watching post-production because it's done better. But it's nice having live sports on being disc golf um, while I do things. I'm a big fan of it personally. And I think that's going to open the door for maybe those subscription type things where the people that crave that instant content will be able to get it. And then the people that are okay with the post-production will be able to, and it might be, hey, pay $10, you can watch it live or pay $1 and you can watch post-production. I feel like there always is going to be a company out there that is going to figure out a way to make money off of it. And you have to think in your head, Josh, would you keep paying $10 a month for live disc golf? Or would you rather be free, but you'd have to wait the next day? Um, I'm going to go with uh, C, all of the above. (laughs) Pirating. I'm going to pirate (laughs) and hack. So I think that's what might happen. Because a lo- think about it now, if I want to know something, here's how I find it out. I look on my phone. Like if I wanted to know the score of a game, I look right away. I'm, I'm kind of the same boat as Josh. I want to see it happening right now. I don't want to, I don't want to be spoiled because I could just look and say like, oh, hey, um, I saw Barella one. And then I don't, then it's not the same Spoilers, as watching yeah. it again because I know who the winner is. Spoiler. Yeah. No, and I, I'm not like arguing. I'm just saying like, Yes, we can do live coverage, but it's like, I think just some things need to be flushed out and worked on if the cell tower is an issue True. and it's going to continue to be an issue on some of these rural areas in which we play, then something needs to happen. And I'm all for a post-production world if the live is just kind of a crap shoe and, you know, you can't, you can't watch it fully. Like, I mean, I enjoy live just like anybody else enjoys live, but, you know, I'm just saying given the options... Sometimes like these things need to be fleshed out. And I think that's where like the PGA, I think needs to do a lot, of, lot better of being able to kind of have some of these task force to build around and troubleshoot some of these like areas, especially as we start to move towards a world where, you know, some of these events are going to be covered live. Like I hate, like with the PDX open, I hated having to wait like three months to watch post coverage 
Um, and yeah, I watched some of it live, but like, that's not okay. <laughs> you know, like yeah. who wants to wait three months to watch that's an event okay. that happened? Um, so finding some of those rhythm to it. I mean, I think that's where like my point is being is just like create a task force and figure troubleshoot and figure these problems because I think, I mean, everyone's going to be watching and we all want to watch. We look at Jomez and how they're continuing to grow and some of these other post-production companies and how they're continuing to grow and develop and carving out some space for these, like, um, we have CH Sports here that films some of our Oregon Mm -hmm. and Washington tournaments and they're doing great things. And, you know, like, so we can, we can figure it out and create a space for all of this to kind of be, be open. I never thought I would hear task force in a disc golf podcast. (laughs) I'm watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, so like task force is like at the top of my my mind. I'm sure like there's a work group or... It's like synergy, like words like that. If you hear, if you're listening, PDGA, Paige Hurtado is offering to lead a task force (laughs) to better disc golf. I have project coordination experience. I can lead a team. Here's his resume. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, that kind of brings us to our last little five minutes. Do we want to transition to closing thoughts? Sure. Yeah, let's do that. All right, take it away, Josh. Closing (laughs) thoughts. All right. Um. My closing thoughts for this episode is take a good look at some of these up and coming players um, and just keep an eye on them because I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised of some shakeups this year. Um, I've gone through this list on the MPO and FPO players um, a lot today and just kind of looking at like their records and like what they did last year and kind of the trends I'm seeing in some of them. And it, it kind of gets you super excited for what's going to come this season. Um, I'm somebody who ingests disc golf content as much as I possibly can. And so I'm just, I'm grasping for straws here, waiting for the season to start and getting me some content. Cody? Woody? I would say um, for this year in disc golf, expect the unexpected. I think we're going to see, a, yeah, I know. I think you're going to see a lot of new names on top of the leaderboards. I think we're going to see a lot of um, new stuff in the disc golf world. We are in a, is this the golden age of disc golf right now where it's at the peak or I'm not sure. So the game has grown substantially, but I, I think it's going to be really interesting this year to see with all these new players throwing new plastic, what happens because we can make all the predictions we want who is going to do awesome. But I would love to see some of those, like not no name players, but some of those guys that are always guys and girls that are just always known as like mid tier players. I would love to see one of them get hot and just play awesome. Like someone that you, maybe someone you were always rooting for that just has never figured it out. Maybe it's Brody Smith. Maybe it's Ezra. I don't know. One of those people, and they have fans, and if they're putting in the work, I'm all for it. If, if you are putting work into your craft, I will not hate on you. Even if it's Nico, if it's Brody, it doesn't mean I have to like you, but if you put the work in and you are doing awesome this year, good for you. So I'm hoping just to see a lot of crazy stuff this year. I'm hoping to see a lot of new names and new plastic. And I just really want disc golf to be back. It's so cold here right now. <laughs> it's supposed to be like six degrees tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, my messaging, my closing thoughts are just that disc golf is here. Disc golf is back and I'm excited. I'm two tournaments into my season. 
I got two more tournaments this weekend, and LVC is coming up. Shelly Sharp like, officially kicks off some pros tournaments, and I'm excited. I was so like just like happy to watch a three day tournament over the weekend true. and watch disc golf. Like I'm the same as everybody here that I just I mean if you guys are listening. You're obviously at a shortage for disc golf content and you're listening to us, which is amazing. <laughs> and so like disc golf is here. I'm excited for the season and everything it has to bring. I'm going to disagree with them and not like expect the unexpected. I'm going to be like, expect the expected. We're going to have some of the same names on top showing out and continue to establish their dominance. I think this season is going to showcase the elite level of these pros. I think it's going to be highlighted with like Ricky Wysocki with the brand change and still top fiving all of these tournaments. Eagle McMahon still continuing to win like the big pro tours and hopefully get his first worlds. Paul McBeth being Paul McBeth, like expect the expected. That's, that's my, my disagreement with them. I think you just argue everything, <laughs> right? I mean, you guys are real great. I have to, I have to be the counterpoint here because I think we're going to have breakouts from people like Gavin and Colton Montgomery and, you know, we're going to see these breakout seasons, but I think the continuous domination of some of these experienced players are going to showcase, and I'm excited to see that. I'm just amazed that golf is back. Disc golf is back. The weather's looking good. Um, yeah, where you are. It's still raining and cold. <laughs> like, it's, I mean, it's I had 30-degree sloshing around last weekend, like, but for me, it's disc golf. I'm out. So yeah. I'm just excited that disc golf is back. Um, my off season went really well, and I'll talk about that at a different time. But with that, guys, like, subscribe, follow us. We're on YouTube, Spotify. We're live every Friday at 6 p.m. in the Community Disc Golf Lounge. We have our like uh, podcast uploaded as well as our video on YouTube on Mondays. And we're going to stick with that. We're going to continue to push out some content, disc reviews, um, and some just kind of musings and rumblings um, musings. here and there to really just showcase disc golf because we're just we're just in love and we just want to share the love of the game with you all. So with that, guys, keep jamming it in the rough. <laughs>